Welcome to Doctor Who Rewind, an unofficial and unprofessional rewatch podcast where I, Katie, and my friend Tyrese, hi, watch and discuss episodes of Doctor Who, starting with the revival in 2005. Once we complete that, we'll backtrack to the 60s and talk about classic Who. In between seasons, we'll discuss extended media, things like books, games, big finish audio adventures. You nailed that. I like. Thanks. I really went into the zone for it. You really did. You were yeah. you went full presenter <laughs> mode just now. There is a radio host inside me. Just screaming to get out. Yep. And I'm like, God damn, again. God damn. Thought I'd fix that leak. Ew. Yeah, sorry. Who? Uh, just as like a side note, we were talking about sexuality on uh, on, on Tuesday in our lecture. Oh, yes. And, and uh, our lecturer was like, you know, it's uh, it's something you can... It's, it's like an identity thing, but it's also... You know, it's a preference thing. And she she failed to mention that sexuality is also something you can ooze. Yeah. And I was really annoyed. I was like, you can ooze this. Yeah, you shouldn't. You can ooze this. You can, but you shouldn't. <laughs> Back yeah. in the cave. Let's talk about the ooze. Talk about the ooze. Guest star. Special guest star. I'm going to be so hyper-focused on making this sound quality this time that I'm like, I'm right here with yeah. you. Don't worry, baby. It's just, it's all, I'm here. Okay. you. Along for the ride. It's just us now. <laughs> so the Unquiet Dead. We've this this is our third one. We're doing th- we've, we've yeah, done oi, three. Oi. Of the, well, we will have done three of these. I've committed to this harder than I've committed to most of the things in my life now. Those on episode th- three. We have three assessments that we need to be doing, and we are not. No. When's the deadline? Tomorrow at four. That's not wrong for you. That's entirely correct. Oh God. Yeah. The Unquiet Dead. The Unquiet Dead. It's a good episode, I think. It is. What about you? Uh, I loved it. I mean, I, I love it anyway, but I loved it when I was watching this in the rewatch that I did earlier this year, because I'm sad like that. Uh, it was like a background thing. It was on, but I wasn't. Yeah. I was in and out. I, I, when I was paying attention, it was. It's, this episode's so good. I always think that this episode is very underrated. It's never it really my is, one yeah. that I'm like picking out to watch for myself necessarily, but. Every time I do see it, I enjoy it. I'm also very surprised at how fast-paced this episode feels. Oh, yeah, it flies by. It does not take up any time. Oh, not at all. It, it doesn't overstay either. It does not. It's a very nice little nice little 45 minutes of Doctor Who. There was there was a thing. What was it? I was going to... I had a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, Katie, I have a question. Uh, yes, I have an answer. Yeah, you don't remember my question yet. Then I... Don't know the answer yet. So, uh, I've never seen an episode of What to Do in my entire life. Uh, I don't want to watch episodes one, two, or three. I just want to go straight into four. I don't care about episodes one and two. So what? That's understandable. So I just, just like, could you just tell me what happens in the third one so I can just watch the fourth one next week? Could I just, yeah, of course. Okay, so The Unquiet Dead aired on April 9th, two thousand five, to an audience of eight point eight six million people. Written by Mark Gattis and directed by Yves Roslin. Mr. Redpath, played by Hugh Reese, gets the surprise of his life when his late grandmother, played by Jennifer Hill, wakes from the dead in the Sneed and Company funeral parlour. She knocks him out and escapes onto the streets. Mr. Sneed, played by Alan David, and his servant Gwyneth, played by Eve Miles, go out to look for the woman at a Charles Dickens reading, where Dickens himself, played by Simon Callow, has grown tired, fearing he has seen all there is. Meanwhile, in the TARDIS, the Doctor, played again by Christopher Eccleston and Rose Tyler, Billy Piper, 
are having the first of many bumpy rides. The Doctor shoots for Naples in 1860 and misses, landing the pair instead in Cardiff, 1869, on Christmas Eve. Back at Dickens' show, Mrs. Redpath chooses the most opportune point to reveal her ghostly origin. She opens her mouth, letting out a blue gas that takes humanoid shapes and begins to create panic in the audience, which draws the Doctor and Rose, as well as Mr. Sneed and Gwyneth. In the confusion, Mr. Sneed and Gwyneth take Mrs. Redpath's body, along with an unconscious Rose, back to their parlour, leaving the Doctor and Charles Dickens to team up and hunt her down. Rose wakes up, locked in the room with the dead Mr. Redpath. The Doctor and Dickens arrive back in time to save Rose from the zombies. The Doctor realises that the problem is in the pipes once he sees the lights flickering. He manages to save Rose from the undead, but asks them first what they want. The Cardiff Rift, remember that one for later, is failing and the ghosts cannot be sustained. Once the whole gang is reunited, Rose gives Mr. Sneed a telling off for drugging her and leaving her with the zombies, with Sneed telling her that the reason he brought her, bought the house at such a low cost was because it was haunted. The Doctor tells him it isn't haunted, it's built on top of the rift, a crack in space-time, which explains how the not-ghosts but aliens got in. The not-ghosts are actually creatures from across the universe who are using the dead bodies to get around, an idea that really messes with Charles Dickens. Rose and Gwyneth share a sweet conversation as two regular girls, but Gwyneth sees the future in Rose mind, Rose's mind, mentioning the thing she has seen, the big bad wolf. The doctor, who has been listening to their conversation, suggests a seance. Gwyneth summons the aliens known as the Gelf. They were left facing extinction after their physical bodies were destroyed in the Time War. The Gelf want the dead bodies of Earth to survive. This causes a disagreement between the Doctor, who is for this, and Rose, who is against this. She tells the Doctor that this doesn't happen because there are no Gelf in her time. The Doctor tells her that time can be rewritten. However, when Gwyneth lets the Gelf through, their numbers are much higher. They reveal that they don't just want the dead, but the living too, even if they have to kill the human population to supply their needs. Sneed tells Gwyneth to stop this, but his neck is snapped and he is killed. Backed into a corner, the Doctor tells Rose that he's sorry he's about to get her killed and she tells him she wanted to come in the first place. Dickens, who had fled earlier during the seance, sees a gelf get sucked into a gas lamp and gets an idea. He runs back into the house to turn up all the gas in order to draw the gelf out of their stolen bodies. Once the plan is in action, the Doctor tries to save Gwyneth, but she chooses to sacrifice herself in order to close the rift. Rose opposes the idea but is dragged out by Dickens as Gwyneth takes a box of matches from her pocket. The house explodes, the gelf are disposed of. The Doctor tells Rose that Gwyneth was probably already dead. A fresh, reinvigorated Charles Dickens says goodbye to the Doctor, telling him he has regained his sense of adventure. The Doctor tells Dickens his words are never forgotten and leaves with Rose in the TARDIS. Dickens watches from the street as it dematerialises before his eyes, shouting Merry Christmas to the people of Cardiff. Sounds rubbish. I'm not going to watch it anyway. That's a bit naff, that, like, I Yeah, reckon. I don't think I'm going to watch this one. You I am just going to... probably just skip to four, you know? Yeah, I'm just going to I'm just gonna do that. I would I would skip it. Yeah, like... yeah, it sucks. Uh, yeah. Old-timey people, it's all plaguey, and yeah, I'm not... It's probably smells bad. Probably. Yeah. Probably wee-wee in the streets. I hate that I'm recording this from my house and can't say what I would have said. Probably wee-wee in the streets. Probably wee-wee in the streets. You got that one right. <laughs> this is a safe for work episode. Crack it on in the Cali and Nana and... Only for me. I'll, out of respect, you know. Oh. I'll, I'll be respectful. Thank you. Yes. I need that. I'll say wee-wee as well. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. I don't feel like it. A... Even if you don't want me to. Yeah, yeah please don't. Actually, I prefer if you didn't. <laughs> Why? So to discuss. To discuss. I didn't get much down in the beginning of this episode. Why don't you, even after you've done all that reading, why don't you start us off? I will start us off by saying that Mrs. Redpath's kind of hot. The old lady? Yeah, when she's laid down, she's got her makeup done, she's got her hair done. She's dressed all fancy-like. 
And then as okay. soon as the Gelt pops out, she immediately becomes an old woman. Oh, she, she, like, she, she gets immediately haggard. She gets older, yeah. Yeah, she really does. It, like the skin of an old Bible. I always remember the open scene where she's like walking down. She's like... <laughs> like that's she's the, rattling about. Yeah, like that's in my long-term memory. She just, she buffs up as well. She smashes through that coffin to escape. Oh yeah, like she, she slams the side of it. it apart, yeah. Bram Stoker style, just like she's out of there. She like Sonic spins up into a ball. And like, <laughs> like, <laughs> and like she, she's gone, she's gone. <laughs> the girl leaves her body, she drops rings. <laughs> uh, the, then, of course, I think it's shortly after that, we, obviously she goes missing and we cut straight into the TARDIS and Rose is like, Heavy flirting. Oh, like super duper flirting. I don't remember specifically what 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 she says, but but she's proper like. Oh, so this is like so you, this this is all yeah, happening every day. Like you. time time goes away. This only ever happens once, but not you. You're here all the time. You she can go wherever little, you want. She gives him a little bit of eye contact. A little she does. cheeky she's smile. Like, I wouldn't have been surprised if she was like, I'm gonna bite my lip and smile in his direction. She's like, mm-hmm. but to be fair. She does. Rose does bite her lip quite, quite she often. She does, it's a she, thing. She bites her lip all the time. Must be something tasty there. Billy Piper. Okay. He also he also calls her Barbarella. Does he? He does, yeah. When he's like, you go, you can't go out dressed like that, Barbarella, you'll start a riot. I've Which heard is... Barbarella in passing, but I don't know who it oh, is. Oh, she's like a an old-timey sci-fi gal. She's not, it's not old-timey. I think it was, like, I want to say it was like the 60s, maybe. But I like the idea that the Doctor knows who she is because he's like a secret sci-fi fan and he likes to watch... He's a big mystery dude. He likes to watch those movies and go, haha, that's wrong. That Yeah, he does do that quite often. Like when he goes to museums, right? Like that. Yeah. Does the Doctor always just run into famous people from the past? Or does he sometimes plan it? Because I did notice that like in this he doesn't plan it at all. Oh, hi Barbarella, Jane Fonda. Queen of the Galaxy, what are you doing tonight? Katie has just showed me a picture of Barbarella and definitely created by a man wearing that. Yep. She was... Almost definitely. She was... This is not the vision of a woman. Fire up the orgasmatron. Excuse me? This is a headline. And this is... This is the Doctor's point of reference. Oh, no. This is his point of reference here. Okay. Well, pop culture. Doctor Who's always... That's... He gets it. Stay relevant. He gets it. Stay relevant. I think it's really sweet when they walk out TARDIS together. They're all smiley, holding hands. I was going to say they, they do a little like it's a little, little thingy uppy. It's a little date that and they're it's going Christmas. on. I also like that they, when she's about to leave, uh, Rose is like, you've done this before. It's my turn to open the door and see what's out there. Yeah. And a little bit of snow falls off the TARDIS and it might just be because it's like November that I'm like, ooh, it's getting close. Well, I'm terrified, but I just love Christmas. So I much. think it definitely adds something to that that she when she walks out she steps in fresh snow and she like leaves a footprint oh, yes and it's so like good. i i get to be the one to do it this time yeah and she literally well not breaks ground i guess but whatever but the she takes her snow first equivalent steps, yeah. is to breaking ground you uh, can see it she makes a mark yeah break breaking tough water that water's tough it's like muscle yeah muscle muscle snow uh luckily for me watching this uh just like the face of Bo is like obviously only a one-time appearance. Uh, same yep. for Gwen. Yeah, same uh, for Gwen. Gwyneth just like doesn't show up again because I mean we know how the episode ends. But I really like her. I think that th- there was only one scene in which I was like, your performance isn't too good here, and it, I think it was a facial expression thing that she was kind of doing. Couldn't tell you specifically what. I was going to say which in. one is that, but I'm sure we'll it's, get to it. I think 
it's when she's talking to Rose and I think Sneed comes in or maybe the doctor does and then she's yes. framed sort of to the to the right quite far away and I think it's just a case of an actor being like put in a position and then not knowing what face to make and so try out a few and they all just sort of get See caught in, in, in yeah just get caught in the fray of whatever's going on it's the same problem that you have when you play that one jackbox game um no that one round in faking it where you got to make a face and then as soon as you look at I someone else that. with your face, I your face that changes. Round. Every time I do that and someone looks at me, you try I, and do I a, make their facial expression. You try and do a subtle thing and then you end up like, yeah. like, like tagging along with someone else's. I started out with a smirk and by the end of the round, my teeth are out. <laughs> Not unsure, they're out of my mouth. Oh, you just like just pull them all out. One by one. Yep. That's horrible. That's so bad. I hate that idea. When Sneed and, and Gwyneth are going to this, this Dickens reading, they are in no rush to return their dead body that is being piloted around by gas. They but, are just in their little carriage. The horses aren't running. Hey, no gallop. Not London is lovely this time of year. Not Cardiff. Yeah, that's what I said, not London. It's Cardiff. Yeah, exactly, not London. Yeah. That's, that's exactly just what, what Rose said. says. She's like, it's Cardiff. Yeah, not London. That's what the doctor says. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, because this is the first episode so far, I mean, there's only been three, yeah. that isn't a, a Russell episode in terms of the writing. And I, I don't know if it's a little joke between him and Mark Gattis, where Mark Gattis has, has an episode and he can, like, you know, dunk on Cardiff a bit, just as, like, a little inside joke between yeah. him and they, they shoot the episode in Cardiff and I assume that Russell as showrunner has a few friends and actor people around Cardiff that he can pull in and be like hey we're, we're doing an episode yeah. with, and you know you grab a few yeah I imagine Welsh Russell Davies knows people in Cardiff a few oh, is that where he's from I don't think he's from Cardiff but he's Welsh no I know I know he's Welsh I'm not this is a I'm not I'm not stupid I promise I'm daft there's a difference uh-huh. it's intentional yeah I'm sure that the people in this episode are people that he either knows or he just wanted some like Welsh authenticity. He didn't want people coming in and being like, I'm just going to put on a Welsh accent, which is a really hard accent to do anyway. Yeah. There is something... I've known very few people in life who have been able to do a good Welsh accent. There is something rhythmic that I don't think everyone can pick up. It's almost singing in a way. It always has this this bounce to it and it's so good. I don't it's know such you, a good I don't accent. I don't know if you want to like, call people out by name. And in case anyone ever listens to this, I'm not going to. But uh, one of my friends who I met in college does a very good Welsh accent and it used to proper tickle me when she did it. I can try and do it, but I'm not very good. I'm not going to try now. (laughs) Do it live, on it, right now. He goes... Wow, that was amazing. Um, Oh, wow, yeah. It's an odd thing to me that the Doctor is always one to be like, powers do not exist, or like, everything is explained by science. Yeah, there's no magic, there's just aliens. Wrong. The Doctor has a huge blind spot. He loves, and I mean loves, anything to do with psychic people and telepathy. He is all about brain powers, man. Yeah. Like, whenever someone's like, I can shoot fireballs from my hands, he's He's like, like, tell me more right now. It must be a science, he must be wearing a special bracelet. And then someone's like, I can read your mind. He's like, nah, par for the course. Yeah. Sounds about right. I <laughs> you would expect have, nothing less. You must have sneezed real hard when you were a kid and now you can just, <laughs> you know, you can just like, <laughs> you sneezed real good and you were just like, now I can hear everyone's thinking all around me all the time. And there are so many stupid people out there and it's hurting me, Doctor. And the Doctor's like, now you know how I feel. I'm yeah. also really clever. Proper clever me. Proper clever me. Proper clever me. This, this old-timey reading that Charles Dickens is doing, a reading of... Uh, oh my god a christmas carol yes that was yeah. me struggling to think of like his most famous yeah the, the one the one i mean 
Oliver Twist and Great Expectations are up there, but I think A Christmas Carol is definitely it's, yeah, it's the most be. adapted. And yeah, he does a reading of this, and I really like the idea that this is like an old timey concert. Like this is just this was the gig. It's a Saturday night. You get dressed up to go see Charles Dickens read, and he's doing his book. And then he's like, oh, like, guys, you open up that fucking pit. And then he's like, not a knocker, but Marley's face. And everyone in the crowd's like, whoa. And he's like, it looked like that dead lady in the audience. Maybe she was on the door. I love that he fully points her as well. He's like, it looks like her. Good. Imagine pointing at someone in the crowd just to be like, ugh. Yeah. Oh, what the hell? Like, <laughs> like, imagine, <laughs> like, obviously, she is an alien-possessed lady, and she is not okay. She's dead. But imagine being a fully conscious person. Aside from the cops, like, part. imagine if we went to that comedy show a few weeks back, and he just pointed at someone in the audience <laughs> and was like, "Huh, what are you doing?" And they're just like, "What?" And he's like, "No, really, like, God, Ugh. you're freaky to look at. Yuck! <laughs> Put that away. Stop it now." I wish COVID was still a thing so you could put a mask on. Ew. <laughs> I do like his... Because no one's... And no one's going to go and like heckle Charles Dickens. I would. <laughs> You'd heckle Charles I'd Dickens. Go. What would your heckle to Charles Dickens be? Oh, I really want to know. know. It'd be something cutting. Oh, would it? It'd, You'd, be, it'd would, be deep. Do you one of those people who goes out with like a list of heckles just like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going like, to God, God, I hope he says this you, thing so you I can prep, get into it. You prep some heckles a few hours before the show and you're like, ah, oh, he's getting Everyone else is, you know, like... Getting ready to go out, getting, <laughs> getting some drinks in him, and I'm sat there with like a notepad, just furiously scribbling. I'm a funny woman, me. I'm so funny. I'm going to be the funniest audience member in that room. Got to work so hard for it. Uh, I also, because this is the first time that we do properly see the Gelf effect, I think they hold it pretty well. That's the, what I've actually said. I think that, the apart from one bit later on, I think that the CGI in this episode... Might be the best it's been so far. This I season, think not, I, ju- I've not just, just like ever. I, yeah, I've ju- I was just trying to think of the ep- the part of the episode that you think it's better, and then I realised I know exactly where it is. Yes. There's no mistaking where the bad CG part of this episode comes in. But th- this this does look really good. For it's like a sparing use, though, isn't it? It's like yeah. a it's more of an effect, I guess, than like a full CGI creature that they create with the Gelf. Oh so. yeah, it's like a like a misty simulation type thing that's going on in the shape of a of a person, and so I guess you don't have to. You don't have to, like, render a full person. You can just do the edge. If I was on dating apps, that is what I would have as my little bio. I'm a mist simulation. Yeah, a mist simulation of a person. See, I am on dating apps and... (laughs) Change it right now. No, 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 no. My bio is not good. It's fine. This is a Doctor Who podcast. This is a Doctor Who podcast. Let's not talk about uh, my horrible dating life. Why don't we talk about instead how Rose goes, Doctor, I'll get them. Doctor... I'll get him. And then just runs out. It, it gave me the same vibe. As, I don't know if you've seen the Gary Sinise and uh, John Malkovich of Mice and Men movie, but the the bit that always sticks in my head is just when Gary Sinise goes, get him, Lenny! And that's all I can think of. If I mean, <laughs> if I watched it in, in school, maybe. I don't think I've ever yeah. seen it for my spare time. It's, it's, I mean, it's a good adaptation, but just her reaction of, I'll get him, Doctor. Or yeah. Doctor, I'll get Whichever order she says that in. But it's so good. Her just being like, I've been on uh, one trip with you. I can handle this. Or, I mean, we might have had more trips. The TARDIS at the beginning, I just want to backtrack a little bit. Of course. Extremely green. Super green, yeah. Like, that green glow comes back... Mm, Age of Steel, Rise of the Cybermen. That green glow. But that's when every other... Like, that's when he's like, house lights off. And, yeah. you know, in the venue. And 
the ambience. Tardis <laughs> ambience. The ambience. Uh-huh. The ambience. It's all about setting a mood. Doctor Who is less about a plot, more just about the vibes. <laughs> Do you want to go tell that to the head writer at Doctor Who and be like, yep. thanks for the vibe. I mean, the plot was there too, I guess, but... I'll I'll go to Chris Chibnall's house myself and I'll go, thanks for the vibe. And then I'll pull out my notebook of heckles that I've pre-prepared <laughs> for the situation. Yeah, no one's no one's buying tickets to a Chibnall reunion. What do you mean? You know what I mean. What do you mean? You know what I mean. He's no like, one's... I'm going to do all six episodes of Flux back to back and do all the voices. I'm going to play every character. Oh no, that'd be horrible. I would so do that. Like, just on my own. Yeah. Just because I'm sad. I'd be like, yeah, I'll just go, I'll be the voices, I'll be everyone. And then I would go on stage with all the scripts and I would just burn them and do a big wee-wee on them to put it out. That's all I'm going to do. Yep. That's all you need to do. And then I'm going to tell the audience to flux off. <laughs> Just because that joke was bad, I'm going to put an applause right there. Thank I'm going to put like an actual the applause in. Sound oh yeah, like just, just to be like, I nailed I it. Getting one. Batting a thousand. This is where Rose gets drugged. She gets knocked out. Rose gets knocked out and kidnapped for the second time in two episodes. Because one of the uh, adherents of the repeated meme. Yep. Just uh, backhands her. Backhands her with a metal glove and then you just see her body dragged away. Like you don't even see them pick her up. You just see her like slide out of frame the same way the, oh, what was she called? The blue lady that was in the oh, vents. Oh, Raffalo. Raffalo. The same way that she got dragged away. That's what happens to Rose. And this is the second time in two episodes that she has found herself kidnapped. My She favorite. really has to like start looking out for her own peripheral vision. That's true. My favourite part about this is... That Sneed says she's seen too much, and obviously they have no way of knowing that she's already done some time and space adventures at this point. But everyone else they, in that theater, they have a dead woman in an undertaker's carriage, and Sneed is like, she's seen too much. <laughs> this is how things are meant to be. Yeah, this is a perfectly logical thing. Imagine if, like, because he's like, she's seen too much. We need to kidnap her. But her seeing too much is literally seeing what was inside the venue. So yeah. imagine if he just started, like, just chloroforming everyone who'd been inside the building, who's running in the streets, just panicked, and he's like, sleep, They're not panicking sleep, that bad, sleep. though. No, they're not. They're, they're really of... not panicking that bad. They're panicking quite bad inside, but then when they get outside, they're, like, just wandering. They're like, okay, yeah, they're, they're like, ooh, immediate danger is over. Yeah, well, I'm not the building now, aren't I? So if I went to a concert and I saw ghosts jump out of a woman's face, I would run home from wherever I was. I hope that happens to you at your next concert. Good, me too. <laughs> at least let me know that they're real. I'd like to spice things up a little bit. Does the Doctor ever believe that these are ghosts at any point in this episode? Or is he always like, they're aliens? I don't think he ever believes that they're ghosts. Yeah. I don't think he ever says anything about them being ghosts, apart from his suggestion to have a seance. Yeah. But I don't think that's because he thinks they're ghosts. I think that's probably because... He knows that she's the key to getting to the Yeah, girl. and yeah. also, it's probably easier to tell these people, yes, they are ghosts, than to explain they are aliens to yeah. them immediately. No, of course. Because it's like, you guys... What, do you even have, like, indoor plumbing? <laughs> hey, guys, you're not going to believe this. The sconces on the walls are alive. What can I tell you? What can I tell you? It is what it is. <laughs> Live, laugh, love. Live, laugh, love. Ayo. Burn the house down. I really enjoy it when the Doctor meets historical figures and gets just so jazzed about it. Me too. Uh, like, I think it's great. I love that him and Rose have that little flirty bit at the beginning and then he gets in this taxi or whatever it is, the carriage with Charles Dickens, and he flirts with her more than he flirts with Rose. He's like, oh my God, it's you. It's it's really you. It's actually, you've done all these things, and I love every one of them, except for this one, but it's fine. 
But the, the, Charles Charles Dickens' little ego, when he's like, I just want you out of this carriage. And then he starts gushing over Charles Dickens' books. And the carriage driver's like, do you just want me to kick him out? And he's like, no, no, he can stay. He can stay. And it's very much like a, I'll keep him. Yeah. I'll keep this one. Like, keep saying things about me. I love Charles Dickens in this episode. I think he's so, so, so good. He is one of the more standout um, characters, I think. Like, like historical yeah, the characters. sidekicks and stuff. He's he's so good. He's a little bit, at, at, I think, at the beginning more so because they're trying to get across his like he's having an existential crisis. Basically, he's yeah. Like, I've lived he's quite a while. I've seen a lot of things. For me, when I'm watching it, at the beginning, within the first maybe fifteen twenty minutes, it seems quite inconsistent. But he like by that point he finds like a footing of just being enthralled by the mystery. Whenever when when the when they fight them and they go inside, he's looking for for like wires and he's he's looking yeah, for things. Yeah, he does his own little sort of investigation. Yeah. He does his own split up and look for clues moment. And then ultimately that is when he goes, This is insane, I'm out. Yeah. But, you know, he he he's in for the ride a little bit. He's when, interested. When they're uh, carrying Rose inside, Sneed and Gwen. Yes. I was just imagining, like, imagine if, if Sneed wasn't carrying most of the weight and Gwen was just, like, absolutely stacked. She's, she's just jacked yeah. from all of the maid work that she's been doing. She's been hunting down possessed bodies for, like, yeah. weeks now. She's like, oh, God, all right, let's go. Also, I don't mean this in the physical way, just, like, at all, but in terms of his face. And he, like, Sneed seems to always look surprised. A little bit fat controllery. Do you know that, like, the ooh face that the fat controller always has? Oh, my God. Do you remember when I said I think he has a... Yeah, yeah, I see exactly what you mean now. Yeah. I see exactly what you mean. I was like, oh, no, he's from Thomas the Tank Engine. Oh, I'm a... This guy. Yeah, it's it's so... You can't fat control them ghosts, though, can he? (laughs) (laughs) That's one each. That's one all. For bad jokes. All right, That's let's one go. all. You can I'll I'll give you a round of applause Thank there you. too though, don't worry. This is when he says a great line as well, when when he's talking to Gwyneth about how I think he, I know what you Yeah, he, say. he did a favour for the Pope or, or the bishop or something and he says, Perhaps he'll do us an exorcism on the cheap. Yeah, the bargain hunting <laughs> exorcisms is so good. <laughs> imagine imagine being like, Oh, I need an exorcism. I was like, Oh well we need you like obviously you need to pay and he's like, You do matrix. Yeah. She made it and the priest turns up, he's like, sorry guys, holy water's extra. <laughs> <laughs> but if but if you let me take pictures, I will give you some holy water on the house. Uh and I'll even bless the house afterwards. They're like, Why do you why do you want to take some pictures? He's like, Don't worry about it. What's a picture? Nothing. <laughs> what's what's that you have? Nothing. It's not a camera. Like if a you camera? Let me paint Nothing. some portraits. I don't know, that wasn't that far back in time, right? We have, we have, no, no, they had they had cameras. cameras. Yeah, 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 of course. He pulls out the whole Boob over the head and the little light bar yeah, yeah, thing yeah. and, whoop, and it just one like, ghost. See, like, don't know why it would sound like that. And at the absolute charlatan, he the the part of this that I, I don't know if it actually does have any, but Halloween influences the way that these guys sit up. There's sometimes like a weird synthy piano type thing going on. They do a Michael Myers, and I think that these guys feel it Michael Myersy, but only when they sit up. And there's only there's not. Too many action scenes in this episode. I'm just now realising this. There's like maybe two or three I would max. S- I mean, the carriage chase back to the funeral parlour, it feels like it counts on a technicality because it is basically a car chase, but it's not shot like an action scene. <laughs> it's a car chase on a low trot. 
Yeah. Just like, yeah. We're With horses galloping and carts. To gallop chase. And then, yeah, and then the house explodes at the end, but that's about it. Yeah, there's not much in terms of action. But there's not much in terms of location either. We're basically in the same oh, yeah. house. Apart from the few little, like, there's like two or deviances. Three. Yeah. yeah. It's basically all just in the funeral parlour, so. It's this really good execution of a bunch of really good ideas. Just simple and classic. Haunted house, but it's haunted by aliens. I'm just going to gush over this episode. I don't even care. No negatives. It's all good. Johnny, no no negatives. I was going to say, what if you... If you have if you have if you being up with negatives right now, then that's gonna make me look terrible. Like so anyway, here's a critical analysis. Ah Rose calls Mr. Sneed out later and the doctor is absolutely beaming about it. Yes. He I is wanna, stood grinning like a madman. I wanna go back one moment to just before then. Yes. When <laughs> when the zombies, and I'm just gonna call them zombies because that's what they are to me, are like grappling Rose, the doctor just walks in, grabs her arm, they let go of her so easily. Like, they're just like, oh, yeah, you can have her. <laughs> and, yeah. the do- and the doctor's like, I think you'll find this is my dance. And then he ho- uh, grabs Rose and he's like, and she's like, who's your friend? He's like, Charles Dickens. And she's just like, yeah, probably, just the way you are. And then he just has a conversation with zombies. Not one part of the doctor is just like, y- you're actually like undead people. He's so happy to just be talking and figuring things out. But he just, he just has a nice conversation with the zombies and then they both scream and fall and die. Yep. Just and then, absolutely crumble. And then Rose just just cuts to Rose kicking off, and every I mean, this is clearly a rant that was well received because Rose does this a few times. This yeah, little, this little back. I know that we've we've seen her have an argument with the Doctor last episode, which was good, but she gets a good few kickoffs. She does compared to I mean a lot of the companions do. Now that I'm thinking about it, but not not all of them. Some of them it does die down a bit. Yeah, good all the time with Donna, all the time. She's got that spirit hasn't she done non-stop there's a little uh a little moment here when gwyneth is in what i assume is a parlor making everyone tea and she gives the doctor a cup of tea and she says two sugars just how you like it and he looks at her so confused he's like yeah. huh she just knows yeah she just knows how he likes his tea already oh that'd be a great superpower like something really like a really subtle superpower that you can this be kind of specific that's like specific to each person where it's like, they wouldn't, if you were like, I have a superpower, they wouldn't believe you. They would just think you're really good at guessing. But you could be like, and I will never get it wrong. Yeah. Just I will get, always never, make ever. you. I'll yeah, always bring you. so good. The perfect cup of tea every, every time. time. Yeah. Oh, hell oh. yeah. Is Gwyneth available on Uber Eats? Yeah, it would look, it'd be the same shade as Handy Manny's hand. It'd be, oh, the best cuppa. Just the best. I want to brew now. I wonder if I'd feel more sophisticated. Doing this podcast with a cup of tea next to me rather than a glass of Pepsi Max not sponsored. I would feel less sophisticated. You know, I'd be so okay if Pepsi Max was like, I'll sponsor this podcast. I'd be like, that's the only place. I'd be like, yes, please sponsor this. If Pepsi Max sponsors this podcast, I'll, I don't know what I will do because I don't know something insane enough. That... Would you eat a shoe? No, I'm full. No, but like, not right now, but like if, no, if Pepsi Max, if Pepsi Max, right, save the day. No more if Pepsi, If Pepsi Max, if Pepsi Max was like, hey, we'll sponsor this podcast, this, this stupid little Doctor Who podcast, would... Would you eat a shoe? You get to pick the type of shoe. Croc. You'd eat a croc? Yeah. I'm leaving this in. Good. Charles Dickens is like, have I wasted my time? Once he finds out about all this, he goes, have I wasted my time? You've just played out a sold out show, sir. Yeah, but he's referring to the material world, isn't he? He's like, have I wasted my time? Like, doing... Doing... Doing writing. <laughs> doing... Well, not doing writing, but looking at... Looking at... 
the non-spiritual side of things, which is a cool topic to bring up. Like the the fact that I don't think anyone, at least in in my life in two thousand five, was like a super spiritual meditating and all That's true. all this stuff. It would entirely rock my shit as well if I just saw ghosts one day and then someone went, "They're aliens." Actually, I'd be like, "Whoa!" Because you, if if you saw right, if you saw a ghost, and someone was like, "No, that's an alien." There is no way you could be like, "That ghost was an alien." You sound crazy. You've just seen a ghost, and for all you know, you didn't believe in ghosts a minute ago, and now you're denying aliens. Yeah. And you don't really have a leg to stand on because a minute ago you didn't even believe in the first one that you've now seen it. Yeah. How do you know? You just get your mind entirely blown for you in one short sentence. Yeah. I've just confused myself now. When Rose is talking about Sneed cupping a field, this is the second time this season she has used the word swanning. It is, yeah. And I hope I like it stays. It. I, don't, I, don't... I like it, the idea that she just, you know, it's not like a person who's writing the script, it's just these are things that she says, because how many times do we repeat the same thing? Yeah, I've never even noticed that she said this until we made a big deal about him swanning off in the first episode. Yeah, and now I'm, the doctor I'm... spit some bars and now I can't stop hearing the word swanning off. Swanning? I'm going to start saying it in my real life as well and I'm not going to figure out when I am and I'm not hearing it anymore, which is terrible. Charles in this scene leaves without saying anything. Yeah, he, he just, just He just dips. He's like, bye. That's enough. I'm going <laughs> to... Bye. I'm going to go rob the dead. And he just goes grave robbing <laughs> in the other room. He's looking for pennies and trinkets and, and shiny things like a magpie. <laughs> He's just magpieing around the morgue in Wales <laughs> in eighteen seventeen, not eighteen sixty nine. Eighteen sixty nine. He hasn't sold enough books. He has to rob the dead. Uh you get your kicks where you can, though. Charlie yeah. boy, yeah. What a guy. Shy kids don't get sweets, <laughs> especially if you don't pocket them from the dead. Another thing that I do, that I do enjoy when he is doing his little grave robber thing, that he just turns into Sherlock Dickens, and that's I, I want to. S- <laughs> <laughs> Does he Sherlock not? Dickens. Yeah. Like, he hasn't got a... The Doctor could be his Watson. Imagine a whole season of, of like... The two of them. Yeah, it's Sherlock just Dickens. Just doing mysteries. It's Sherlock Dickens and Doctor... There's no Doctor Watson, it's just Doctor. Just Doctor. But yeah, <laughs> I would watch that as a show, as a little spin-off. Bring Hilston back, but he won't do it because of BBC. Yeah. But he'll work with Big Finish, and that's okay by me. There you go. Big Finish. I know that they're really, you know, going through everyone. So there you go. That's a spin-off I don't think you've done yet. Even the dead ones. Jot that down. The Doctor apologises to Charles Dickens for telling him to shut up. He does. That's really nice. Yeah. These two are a really cute couple. So I'm going to like, I really love the little bromance that these two have for this entire episode. But he also, because he knows how clever Charles Dickens is, he doesn't feel the need to explain too much what's going on. But he explains it in a way that not only people can understand like humans because they're different to him, but in the way... Someone from the past. Someone from the past can understand, which inadvertently means now the audience understands. So if you hadn't picked anything up till this it's point... It's all laid out. This episode is almost perfect, and I might change my rating by the end of this episode from what I have written down, because the more I'm thinking about it, the more I'm loving this. I, that's the thing, though. I don't think there's anything about this episode that specifically sticks out as being bad. Could be a quintessential episode of Doctor Who, this. Put this on the watch list. No, I'm skipping straight to episode four. <laughs> oh, that's fair. You yeah, know I'm what happens now, right? I'm going, yeah, I'm going straight to episode You're spoiling all this for me. I may, as well, I may as well just start episode four. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Just cut to the chase and yeah. go straight to season two, I guess. Cool. Yep. Yeah. See you guys then. Let's pick that up later. No, I haven't found my place. Oh, sorry. Well, you find it. Uh, Rose and Gwyneth have a little conversation now in this scene. And much like how I... Oh, my God. 
And what does that say? Does that say just TARDIS very green? TARDIS very green. Yes. TARDIS very green. Shh. I like Rose and Gwyneth's little conversation here. Yeah, I do good. too. Yeah. Uh, Katie, how much do you make a year working at a, 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 a restaurant? Use the term loosely. Not enough. But it's more than £8 a year, isn't it? It's about it's more than £8 an hour, I think. <laughs> I thought you are going to be like, yeah, it's £8.20 a year. <laughs> I really like the idea that if I ever met Gwyneth and she was like, I make £8 a year, I'd be like, I make £8 an hour, dickhead. <laughs> she, she, she kicks off and a demon comes up and she's like, <laughs> 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 And you're just like, oh God. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I've annoyed the wrong friend. Calm down, <laughs> slave word, all right. I've annoyed the wrong Welsh woman today. <laughs> <laughs> Hi Gwen, how are you? <laughs> yeah, me too. The day's going well. A bunch of gas bursts out her eyeballs. Huh? Sorry, Gwen. <laughs> I think it is a little bit. It's a little bit of a trend, isn't it? She, Rose has like a nice little one-on-one chat with Rufalo last time. She talks to Gwen here. I assume they're around the same age. Yeah, everyone that Rose talks to dies. Clive. Oh my god. <laughs> Clive. Rafalo, Gwen. Rose is doing something to these poor citizens. These civilians. What if she's the big bad wolf? What? She's that's crazy, man. Bad wolf girl, it's her. That's crazy. Who's afraid of the big bad... She's the big bad wolf. She'll huff and she'll puff and she'll murder you. <laughs> <laughs> she'll murder you dead. She says to Gwyn, she says, oh, something about, did, did you even go to school? And I'm like, Rose, you have a bronze gymnastics certificate. Yeah, but that's all. That's it. That's it. That's all she got to show. But that's only because her and Shireen would, would nick off school and go and look at boys. Ah, oh, that's true. Look at boys' bums. That's all, oh, yeah, because uh, Gwen's never seen a bum. No, she hasn't. Calling it now, she's never seen a bum in her life. This is also the second shout out to Shireen. Shireen, yeah. Big up. Two, twice in two episodes. I think she will definitely get mentioned in the next one too. Speaking of mentions though, this is the first time that we don't hear a word from our Lord and Saviour Jackie Tyler. <gasps> oh no. You know what? I, I don't even back. remember. I take it back. My rating, it's not a perfect episode. Yeah, no, Jackie. In I fact, think, no, it's a terrible I episode. Think Skip Jackie it. Tyler would have loved Charles Dickens. She would have. Yeah. Skip this episode, no, Jackie. Yeah, nothing, nothing of relevance. Yep. Don't worry about it. Uh, during that um talk, Rose is having like a proper identity crisis. Like, she's seriously is just like really out of it. I she forgot, is. I've forgotten what it is that she says specifically. She says about Gwen says about her parents being dead. Yeah, that and was it. And she says she'll see them soon one day, and then she tells Rose that she'll see her dad soon as well. Yeah, or that she'll see him again. Yeah, she'll that... see him again, yeah. She has like a weird existential crisis having Rose's character, because have we heard about Pete before I was thinking this? about that just then. I don't, I don't believe we have. think so. No, I don't, I think this is the revelation that he's dead. Has it been brought up before that she has, like, that... that... I don't think so. I, all right, I didn't either. The fact that Rose doesn't just sit there and tell her character, like, Oh, my dad passed away. It's done in a way that makes sense through someone else. Well, it's like a so reveal good. to us as an audience. However, also it's a reveal to like, well, also for Gwen's powers, right? Oh yeah, but it's it's done in a way that again that the audience can understand. But through Gwen, so you also develop Gwen's power whilst also developing Rosa's character, and you kill two birds with one stone. It's I want to be able to write like this. I'm just so envious whenever I, whenever I'm I'm watching this and good things like that happen. Yeah. I'm so envious because it's so it's it's so well done. I hate myself. Yeah. I hate myself. Don't. I hate myself. Don't. Don't. Don't like me. I love no. 
What happens next? Gwen, I, I think it's at the seance, says down in Boomtown. Yeah, she does. Is that just another phrase for Cardiff? Um, I googled it and it didn't say anything on there, so I don't think so, unless it's like, you know, like a local thing. What does Boomtown mean? A boomtown is a community that undergoes sudden and rapid population economic growth, or that started from scratch. Oh. A town that booms. Yeah. That sounds like such a, a dickhead way to say it, but I suppose that is literally what it is. Like that's Yeah, it's like a baby boomer. It's a baby boom, I guess. Are we just stupid because we couldn't put two and two together, even though it's literally used in the phrase baby boom? Yes. Oh, we're doing well. It's the town that throws you off. Yeah, yeah. When when they do the seance, the doctor makes a terrible dad joke. He says he loves a happy medium. The but... ninth doctor does enjoy a bit of a dad joke, though. Well, I mean, he used to be a granddad. I doesn't bring really that up specifically one. remember one from later in the season that he says as well. Somebody's like, I could have two words on no word. No. <laughs> it's where I can't remember who he's talking to at the minute, but he says something about using like warp drive shunt technology, and he was like, So I recommend you shunt off. Is that in like one of the next little... ones? Yes. It, it, no, it definitely is. It is. It is. It definitely yeah, is. It is. It is actually. It's in the second part, yep, isn't it? It is. Yep. I knew about that. Ha ha. We're both clever again. Hell yeah. Because the doctor's never been one to believe in ghosts, then he's like, we're going to have to do a whole spiritual seance thing. He's always like, this is a seance I like to thing. think that he kind of just did it for the drama, though. Like, some somewhere in the doctor, he's like, I haven't been to a seance recently. Let's do one. <laughs> he's got, like, a big thing for aesthetics. He's like, let's put it, let's light a few candles. You know, like, when, when you recommend something to a friend because you want to do it? Like this? Yeah. Like this whole thing? Yeah. All you have to do is drink the right amount. <laughs> Now we're here. The right amount. It was definitely the wrong amount. It was the left amount. Alright, bye. See you later. No applause on that one. Fortunately, no. I think we might have to cancel the show for episode three. I'm surprised if number one comes out. I could, yeah. just, I could just stop that now. Scrap it. Scrap it all. Stupid idea. Comes out in less than two weeks. Hey, let's go. Terrifying. Behind the scenes look into the schedule. That's true, yeah. No one really... I mean, we haven't yeah. mentioned it. Talk about the time war. The Gelf. Yeah. Bring up the Time War. They talk about the Time War. Is the Time War something that they actually experienced or didn't they telepathically steal it from the Doctor? They say something about the high... Something about the higher beings and something about... And not taking notice of them because they were just like basically essentially like collateral damage. They say, we are so few, the last of our kind, we face extinction... The doctor asks what happened. The girl say, once we had a physical form like you, but then the war came. The dick, uh, the Dickens. <laughs> what, the Dickens? <laughs> Charles Dickens says, what war? The girl say, the time war, the whole universe convulsed. The time war raged. Invisible to smaller species, but devastating to higher forms. Our bodies wasted away. We're trapped in this gaseous state. <laughs> so, I don't know how this war destroyed their body, but left them as gases. But all right. That happened. Leftover, only the gas. But we'll file that under. Don't think about it too hard. It might be another episode or another thing. No, it, it is. It's. I think it's midnight that I'm thinking of, where it starts to say that it's the last of its species, and then yes. the doctor is like, "Oh no, you're stealing that from my brain." That's that one. I thought that it was the Gelf. I thought no. that the Gelf was like, "We weren't actually a part of the Time War." I'm just stealing this from you because they also say that they're few in numbers and like the last or whatever, and when they say and so I that... assume that it was. When they say the Time War, Rose gives the Doctor a little look 
She gives him a little... Does she? Yeah, she looks over at him. She gives him like a little sad little sad little look because she knows what that is now. Well, only... Because they've shared. Well, only a bit though, doesn't, doesn't only she? Only a bit, yeah. Yeah, I don't think she ever... Not ever. But she doesn't find out what actually happened for a hot yeah. minute yet. But she gives him like the little look of, oh... This is a no, you that, thing. That, oh, you yeah. were there. Which makes me think that, especially when they say that they are the last of their kind, which obviously is not true. But yeah. when they no. say that, that's probably part of the Doctor's insistence to help them, right? Because it's one, oh, yeah. the time war, and two, the last of their kind. Those are like his absolute buzzwords. They're, they're, no, they really are. <laughs> so many episodes have relied on being like, yeah, but it's the last one, so we may as well just help out. Which is nice of him. It's it's This is when the... um. The, the pity the gelf, the little catchphrase. Pity the gelf. Pity the gelf. That's when you said something and I wrote it down because I thought it was funny. When we were talking about Rose and you said, my mate Shireen once said pity the gelf. <laughs> and I thought that was funny so I wrote it down. I like the idea that Shireen's one of them people who's never done anything but claims to have done everything. Oh yeah. The thing like, is, Whatever you've done, she's done it twice. She's been the Leaven Reef, you know. Yeah. She's one of them. <laughs> she's one of them people. I, I love it. The thing is, I don't think that there's anything missing from this series of Doctor Who, particularly, apart from Shireen. I do want to see if she shows up at some point and we just have missed her. Like, even if she's just in Jackie's flat, sat in the background at some point, I just want to... I just want to see her. Yeah. And if, the woman, and, the myth, the legend, you know? And if not, big finish. Put Shireen in, in, in an adventure, you cowards. <laughs> Shireen and Jackie spin-off, let's go. Can I be Shireen? If you haven't got she, she's known kind of character, can I please voice Shireen? I'd love that. That'd yeah. be Can I voice Shireen, please? I would love to do that. This is my formal application. Put me in a in a in a recording booth, and I will be the best Shireen you ever had. <laughs> the doctor asks Mister Sneed where the I think he says where's the weakest part in the house, where the most of them are coming through, and he says the Mog. I would automatically assume that in a creepy haunted house. The morgue was would be the place to be to yeah. get into it, you know. I would think the morgue because it's a morgue. Would you not do the seance in the morgue? Well, they move going... it downstairs. Well, yeah, because they go, oh, this isn't this isn't good enough. Gwen's a bit too alive up here. Let's get the Let's real party started. But the, yeah, but so so at this when they're at the table still upstairs though, and I, again this is just me gushing over writing. The doctor explains uh, the plan for the Gelf in terms of roadworks that you could understand in. Uh, uh, 1869 and again that's like as much as that's for the characters that's also for the audience yeah. just in case they didn't understand the you know the sci-fi lingo that they've made up and used for the for the law if you didn't understand that here's a secondary like like a secondary way of talking about it but in ways that you will understand but also don't feel like you know really ham-fisted or in your face you're just like yeah well these characters need to understand too yeah I love it. I love it. Just this episode like, just gets better. Kitty. Kitty. Present a moment. Take a deep breath. <laughs> shadow box. Sh- shadow box. Sh- sh- shadow. Oh no. Shadow's got me in an arm lock. It's. Oh no. Sonic, help me. There's so many. I'm doing so many oh Sonic references. God. I'm doing Sonic Frontiers and I haven't even bought it. So I'm, I'm a good boy who's trying to get Pokemon instead. This is our lives. I'm a real person. I know I sound like a cartoon. I'm not. I'm a real person. I love that the other topics that we've covered on this Doctor Who podcast have been Sonic, Pokemon, and the X-Men. Yes. And it's good to know that we sound like really cool people. Well, you know what we should do instead, then? What should we do instead? We should step into into Clive's shed. Oh, sorry. Hello. I'm Clive, obviously. (laughs) No murders. Uh... (laughs) Please come through. I'm in the shed. 
Katie. Yes. This shed's horrible. How about I spice it up with some trivia? Monster trivia. Monster trivia. What aliens do we have in the episode? This week in the shed, we have the Gelf. Say hello, Gelf. Hello, Gelf. I don't have much on them. We've got a little bit. Um, we have the fact that the, the Gelf emit ghostly screams as they float around a location which they congregate. Which I like, because that's like a ghost thing. I hate that. It makes them yeah, seem like ghosts. Ghosts should go... They shouldn't sc- like scream. I, I, I don't want to do the scream. I, I really could have. Look how smooth my ooh was, though. Amazing. That's ooh, not ooh. Look I just want to make sure. Look ooh was. No, not ooh ooh. I didn't say ooh ooh. Right. Also, in the spirit of ghosts, while controlling a human, they tend to continue their unfinished business. Hence why she went to the Dickens reading. Oh. That's why she was going to go there before she died. Oh. I never re- I'm an idiot. Yeah. I didn't realise like that. Like a ghost. Yeah, but did you realise that when you when you watched the episode or did you read that and you were like, oh my God. I'm sure they say it in the episode. You know, they say that she was going to go there. But yeah. did you figure out that it was a gelf thing? I think it was a gelf thing, but I just assumed that she didn't do it before she died. So like, like, think about it. If you died and then you came back, presumably you don't have any kind of like memory of being dead so it would just be like go to sleep i guess like you have a nap and you're like oh god i'm late for the show oh god i died for a Jeez. second jesus what's going on sorry guys was i dead cold to the touch i'm so sorry i'm dead the 12th doctor look how long i can hold my breath <laughs> <laughs> the 12th doctor says that the gulf lied about a lot of things there's a quote from him from a history of humankind the the novel yeah yeah and then my personal favorite little thing that I have written down here is that Charles Dickens makes a reappearance in a later episode. Yes. He uh, does. It's not close. It's the, is it the wedding? The wedding of Riversong, which we will speak about in due time in the future. Yep. Yep, that's the one. Yep. I, I was thinking of a, a different episode. Yep. Yep. Wedding of Riversong. Yep. I can't in, speak. In, in that timeline, in the wedding of Riversong timeline that is created from the events in that episode, Charles Dickens has at the Gelf Blocked on Twitter because, and I quote, he wasn't falling for that one again. Yeah, did you tweet that? It must have been around, if I had to guess, 502? Must must have been around that time, right? Must it's the been, end of six. Yeah, it must have been around 502. I mean, like, time of day. Like, it must have been around 502. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I thought you meant the season. Yeah. Please Google when. <laughs> it's 5 or something. Yeah, I'm uh, like, please, I hope it's 502, otherwise that bit doesn't work. It's 5 or 2 p.m. Yes! I didn't, I didn't mention AMLPM, so it's fine. I'm just cut, really cut happy that... that bit I... where we looked for it, but... Obviously. Yeah. 5.02pm. 5.02. Wasn't that a nice visit to Clive's monster shed? Uh, no. It's horrible in there, and it smells like fish. Best get out, then. Yeah. Clive could use an air wick. Yeah, like, like an air wick or something, just to spruce up the... Freshen it out a bit. Could have really... Um... I think I've realised what the smell might be. What? Dead Clive. Ah, that'll be it. Dead Clive in the floor. Ah. Whoops. <laughs> His wife brought him back to the shed. After I just shot. stepped over him. I didn't think you were going to, like, kick him like that. Sorry. Yeah, that was rude. You can't kick a dead man. Sorry. You can't kick a man while he's dead. I'm in a shed now. What's he going to do? No, you're not. We've, we've just left the shed. Ah. Yeah. They have a, a whole thing down uh, before they go down to the basement where Rose is talking about how she's not going to let them have, have uh, Gwyneth. She's just not going to allow it. And the doctor is making this decision for her, and it's odd because the, the I don't 
nor specifically in, in too many other episodes because it doesn't come up too, too often. But there is one that I can think of, which is a very um, controversial episode, where the, the Doctor doesn't make choices for human beings, like on their behalf. Yes. I understand in this case they are dead people. That's true. And also, he does not expect what happens. Oh, not at all. Yeah, no, he's... He's just trying to do, like, a nice favour and then they kind of take advantage of that a little bit. Whoops. Oopsie-daisy, ripped yeah. open. Uh, the actual set for the... Is it the morgue? Yes. Terrifying. Oh! Like something out of a Saw movie. Horrible, yeah. Like I say, I would automatically assume that that was the most evil, ghosty place in that whole house. <laughs> I wouldn't make it all the way down the stairs. I'd look down and be like, yeah, no, not, not for me, that one. I'd I'm going like, to go away in the TARDIS. I'm yeah, go. I'm, I'm Rose in this situation. I'm like, oh, Doctor, sorry, this is a you thing. This is going, a you problem. Going back to the box. Uh, I have a, a silly little not real theory. Hit me with it. What if Shireen is the girl? What if that figure we see behind Gwen... Is Shireen. What if it's Shireen? Worse yet... What if Shireen... No, bear with me on this. All stay right. with me. What if Shireen is a future incarnation... Bear, stay with me on this. Whoa. Of the Master. Whoa. What if... Imagine if Shireen was the Master and, and, and had been tailoring like Rose to meet the Doctor. Wow. Because the, the timeline the, had to happen. The Master getting a companion and a Doctor together. That's a real cool idea for a TV show like this. Hope someone does it someday. He was just trying to do a meet cute. Yeah. He's going to do a little meet cute. Between Doctor and Rose, a little meet cute. I think that's fun. Yeah, she's obviously not. No, uh, the the evil things in this episode, same as the adherence of the repeated meme. I, I still love saying that. Is <laughs> so strange that there's it's evil. Okay, it's gonna go. It's gotta go big and red and scary. Before like getting too too into the the end of this, when they got like all evil. Uh, I love every single zombie extra fighting against that cage when the Doctor and Rose Perfect. are trapped because every one of them is putting in minimal effort. I don't know how much extras are paid, but uh, you know, yeah, work hard, play hard. But you don't, you don't work for the money you don't get, so don't do it. I also like the Doctor's fake history. <laughs> I've seen World War Five. What is it like? You've seen World War Five. Whenever the Doctor brings up a fake historical event, he, I'm always just enamoured by the dumb things that writers can come up with, and I, I love every one of them. He has seen the Fall of Troy though. The Fall of Troy in the Mythmakers. Oh, like that was in a an episode. Classic episode, yeah. Oh. Was a that's, a thing. that's an actual thing that he did the thing that I mentioned before about I think it was in episode 1 about the doctor being the, the doctor not being the smartest person in the room and then the, and then like a, a normal person a human will just come in and like blast them with it with the best plan ever Charles Dickens yeah absolutely thwarts the gal every one of them it's so good <laughs> the doctor's like oh you're a genius Charlie boy you're a genius however before this moment once we we get the reveal i guess that this is this is evil stuff going on evil gelf evil gelf uh mr sneed r.i.p gets killed by one of the the gelf one of the yeah, zombies they snap his neck and kill him and then the doctor says i think it's gone a little bit wrong <laughs> he's like oh, whoops well oopsie daisy it's i'm guessing it must have been a while since he's trusted at this point because of the war What? That's <laughs> you're laughing, but shoot, that's that must be correct, right? It's and entirely it... valid. It's just funny. It's like he hasn't trusted in a while because of the war. <laughs> oh, why was he cheated on? No, just the war. Genocide, genocide. That'll it'll do it for you. Oopsie daisy. Yeah. Um. In that 
in the little cage. There's a little Doctor and Rose moment, little cutie, and I don't mind it. I, I like I don't love it when the Doctor has a romance thing with a person because I'm just like you're gonna outlive her and it's weird and it doesn't sit right with me. But I'm okay with it. I get, if it's gonna if it's gonna happen, I'm glad that it's this. Yeah, she says that she can't die here because she would you know it wouldn't make yeah. sense time wise um and then the doctor says that time can be rewritten due to events later in the series with what happens with rose would yeah. that not become a fixed point in time and i know that technically you know jumping ahead in the season a bit i'm not going to go into it you mean this season but yeah this season with the game station stuff that oh, yeah. becomes the game station because of plot things so you could say it wouldn't be a fixed point in time until that happens, but Bad Wolf already exists throughout the universe. We've had it mentioned twice now. So does does that mean that like like I would choose to believe that I think that that is a fixed point in time? This one, the this, season this... one finale, is a fixed. Oh point yeah, in that time. that part is. Yeah, which I know there's no way of knowing that at this point. Oh, that's what I would choose to believe. I'll be honest with you. When it comes to which points are fixed and what's not, I couldn't care less. It, it, it's a show that when. The whole time can be rewritten thing didn't really come about until uh, Matt Smith. That's yeah. when it was like really almost like time can be rewritten, not this time. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, th- so it's a Moffat thing. It, it's definitely a Moffat thing. But by the time that that rolls around and that that plot point comes to a head, they it works well for the season that it that it is for. But after that, the rule becomes a little bit dicey, and yeah. they seem to pick and choose. Even at the end of that season, I'm not going to mention it until we get there, which will be like, I don't know, eight, nine years, maybe? Yeah, probably. Roughly. Sounds about right. Roughly. Like, even then. I'll have a master's degree before we're up to date with Doctor Who. That means I will too, I hope. Then we can be writing. Better get through second year first. Should we apply for Sean Runner after? Let's RTD? do it. Should we? They'll probably be looking for someone about them. They'll be looking for someone there. young, hip, who can run the show into the ground. Qualified. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, below average height. You go in, they're like, why do you want to write for the show? And I'm just like, because I like it. And the man on the top of the BBC will be like, oh my God, you're the same size as Billy Piper. Of course you can. And I'll be like, thank you. And I'll do a little hair flip and I'll, uh, I'll, I'll woo him. I'll woo him. Yeah. Him or her, I don't know who runs the BBC. <laughs> when Charles Dickens goes outside before he comes up with his little plan. Yes. He has a moment where the gelf he leaves he closes the door behind him he like stands against the door the gelfs start coming through the side they start swirling around the door knocker on the door Jacob because Marley. Charles Dickens's character arc is Ebenezer Scrooge in this episode I hate that you've said that because now I'm realising it it is isn't it yeah it's a variation of a Christmas carol he hates which... cr- like he's just not he's yeah. not a family man and by the end he's like I'm gonna go spend Christmas with my family and he's in a good mood and he's jolly yeah. Oh, wow. And he literally is going down the street wishing people Merry Christmas at the end of the episode. Merry Christmas! Which is just another thing that I think makes this episode so good. It, it's, this episode doesn't let up. There's layers, baby. There's layers. There, just as a side thing, every year... This, this, so have you seen the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol, the Disney one, 2009? The animated one? Yes. Yes, I went to the cinema to see it. Me too. Hey. Uh, there's a bit... Where Scrooge, in his old voice, goes, Merry Christmas! And he says it like that at the very end. And I mean, exactly like that. That's not an impression. That's how it's done. My dad does that perfectly. And he does it multiple times every December. Good. It's, if I can try, I will try and I will walk, I'll follow him around with this mic. <laughs> For all of December. Do the thing. Like the do guy, the, thing. The, the kid from Shrek who's like, do the wrong. Yeah. Do it. I want to talk about Gwen for a moment. 
her her performance just leaning forward and talking even though she's dead is so good yep the doctor's little touch of the neck to check for a pulse he smiles, re- baby. realizing it's not there and just being like i failed this person they were so young this is on me it, it's it's and... one of the things that that i think really makes sense for for the doctor to to at least the ninth doctor to be the way that he is it, sometimes he's just like i'm fed up yeah. i'm grumpy he fails a lot this is the third death of a I guess, major secondary character in three episodes, pretty much all of which could have been avoided. Um, Maybe not Clive. Yeah, well, we, well, but we know why, though. We they, know why. Yeah, they spoke to Rose. Yeah. Which is that, that they shouldn't have done that. She's foreboding. She's scary. She's five foot four <laughs> and ready to, to brawl. She's, <laughs> she's five foot four and she will punch an alien in the head. Five feet of... Pure unemployed hate. Yeah, she'll do her gymnastics on she you. Will. Watch out. She'll hurt. She'll hurt. She'll hurt a person. But I, th- this is a, a and I didn't because I'm a, I'm good. I very almost like shed a tear. I was like, oh, she's gone. And I, it really gets me. It really does. She's just leaning forward and that look on the doctor's face of like, this is com- this is entirely my fault. I shouldn't have treated yeah. these things. I put you in a position that you shouldn't have been in. And then when they get outside after the explosion. And he runs away from explosion because the doctor's cool. We know this. We know the doctor's a cool guy. Yeah. They... He wears a leather jacket. Of yeah, he wears, cool. <laughs> he wears a leather jacket. But the fire. Oh my, the fire. The fire does not look good. The fire is one of the things in this episode that looks... Just there didn't. You go. It's not there's, that it looks bad. There's it just a criticism. Didn't, it did bad not fire age. effects and no Jackie Tyler. Did not age super well, but it's fine. Then Rose talks about how Gwen saved the world and no one will ever know. Yeah. It made me realise that one of the things I do like about this show a lot of the time is that they they, they often, or at least Russell does, focus on making the quote-unquote the small guys, the heroes. The normal people. Yeah, they, they are the heroes quite often. And it, it's the same with Gwen. She's just, she's she's so nice, she's not worth, and, and I know that they did this on purpose, they even give her a little crush so you can be like, oh my god, she's, because she's like, she's so wholesome. It's when you see that scene and she is talking about the butcher's boy who she's got a little thing for. Yeah. It's kind of like, it's sad, it's, the, it's what we were saying before about how like Russell T Davies brings things back to earth, to a sort of ground level like she's she's got an aspiration now she's got like a thing that she wants to do yeah yeah she's she's got something that, that you at least as a viewer are like there is something for her in her future it's not just going to be eight pounds a year and death yeah like she's got a little bit of happiness waiting there for her thanks russell for ripping my heart out stomping on it and then doing a big wee on it doing a big wee a big a big russell russell wee davis <laughs> Dropping trow and weeing on my heart. I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you. I'll show you someday, Russell. <laughs> I love Russell T. Davis. It's <laughs> just like, just as a caveat, just in case. Charles Dickens. Uh, now, now he's gonna get out there. He's gonna write his books again. He's gonna write about Edwin Drood and the Blue Elementals. Is he? That's what he says. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the name of the the, the, the book. Be a shame if something were to happen first, like he were to die within the year. Do you know what happens? You know what Rose says upon that revelation? The doctor says that, you know, he's going to die soon. And Rose says, oh, no, he was so nice. Well, I mean, yeah, but she doesn't say it like that, does she? <laughs> she she puts, you know, 
she, she says it nicely. She's not like, oh no. He was so nice. Him. I like that he turns into, like, he goes into idle animation on the TARDIS screen. <laughs> he stood outside waiting <laughs> on the screen. Like, imagine if he was just T-posing. <laughs> like, Charles Dickens is T-posing outside your magic box. Like when video games don't render stuff that you're not looking at. Yeah, he's like four polygons. He goes in, he goes through popping. <laughs> he's like a Pokemon sword and shield NPC just pops in out of nowhere. <laughs> whenever the TARDIS loads in. <laughs> Uh, his final question is so wholesome too, and he's like, "Do they remember me? Like, how long yeah. do my books last?" And he's like, "Forever. Like, forever. they they never go away." And I'm like, yeah. "Just get together. Oh my god, just kiss already, Doctor Charles. Come on. I do think that their sexual chemistry is better than the Doctor and Ro- better than the Doctor and Roses by miles. The the at least duo that we that we need, but we do not deserve. No, not at all. Not not at all. Uh, I think Dickens has a spooky walk. That's my last thing. As he walks off, and he's all happy." He's like got an evil laughing spooky walk. Thinks he's Vincent Price. He's not Vincent Price. No one's Vincent Price no. except Vincent Price. Yeah. Great, great. Okay, what, what, what would what would you rate this episode? I would rate this episode a five. See, I'm gonna up mine because I had four point five, but I I do want it to be a five. a five now. Now that it's I've discussed it and realised that if this episode was like have my babies, I would be like I'll have four forty five minutes of them. I yeah. will do it. It's so good. I didn't realise how good this episode was, even though I've seen it like 18 times. Yeah. The next time trailer. What do you think of the next time trailer for... Um, is it Aliens of London? It is Aliens of London. Thoughts and so? for that, I put a 4 slash 4.5 because I just Ooh. think seeing a spaceship just demolish Big Ben. Top tier. It is. It's good. I wrote 5. Um, th- there's a lot in it. And I'll I'll talk about why in a, in a minute. Or at least talk at length about why. In a minute, going back to Earth, something to look forward to. It's got a bit of political intrigue, but it's it's done really well. Even in the trailer, it's done really well. And it just made me super excited to be like, modern day London with an invasion. We also get a shot in that little next time thing that I really enjoy. Obviously, it's also a shot in the episode. Is it um, an MP? Is it a certain MP? It's not a certain MP. Oh, is it, it, is, okay. it is when... We'll find out who that is at some point, I suppose. Is it, it is when Naoko Mori just screams. screams. She just shrieks. She just does a scream. Yeah, yeah. That's, it's so good. I think that this being a two-parter as well, and two, the, the next two coming up are two-parters, um, they're more f- like feature-length movies. They've got a wider cast. There's so many people and it's plot threads going on. The first two-parter that we're going to cover. On my way to university today, I messaged you. We were talking about this. Yes. We were doing this tonight. About a point that I think I want to bring up about uh, this season's opening in general. Yeah, go for it. So this season, uh, being a revival of a, of a much-loved TV show, has an episode that introduces you to the show, an episode, two episodes, I guess, that show you what the show can do. One going through the premise of we can travel in the future and the, the premise of traveling through the past. And then we go back home afterwards because what else can you do other than go home? These first three episodes, thinking about them on my way to uni this morning, as a trilogy that was written to introduce someone to this world and the premise and the characters, and I thought it was damn near perfect. Yeah. By the end of this episode, mostly, if it, if it was a trilogy, you'd have a full arc of knowing who Rose is, you know, her emotional baggage now when it comes to her dad, you know who the doctor is, you know about his emotional baggage when it comes to the war, you know the capabilities of the, of the machine. You know, the rides are very, very bumpy, very, very green and bright. And 
that's, I think, one of the reasons why I like the next time trailer as well is because what else can you do? You've done you've done at home, you've done future, you've done space. Now you go back. Yeah. You go back home. And you go back home with a twist that I suppose we'll talk about next, next week what that, what that twist is. You said last episode that the end of the world is more of a doctor episode and that Rose, obviously, is a Rose episode. What do you think about this one? Ooh, I think this one's a good measure of both. I still think it probably leans more towards Rose than the Doctor, maybe. And this is in terms of like development, not screen time, right? I think yeah, this does a good this does a good job of digging out both of their secrets with a telepathic enemy, and that's what that's also there for. Because I would say, like realistically, this episode is a Gwyneth episode. Oh yeah, like however, yes, yeah, as a, as a sidekick and stuff. Yeah. However, I would definitely say this to me feels more like a Doctor episode because of his relation with Charles, Charles Dickens. Dickens. Yeah, no, I agree. It yeah. feels split between the two of them, but I feel like definitely the Doctor is like... I think the line is much closer yeah, with this one it is. to them both. I mean, Rose getting knocked out again and her little rant, it, it, does a, it does a lot for both of them. But no arms come off in this episode. No arms come off in this episode. Oh, yeah. So... Everyone got to which. What if Charles Dickens ripped an arm off one of the dead people when he was, was grave robbing? You have like dead people in this episode. Yeah. this could absolutely have been a thing that they that they got in there as well. The name's Sherlock Dickens, grave robber. Here's my card. I'm doing a reading this evening. <laughs> After grave robbing, Mister Smith, I need you. Beep, 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 beep. So through and through. This is Matt Gattis's first episode of Doctor Who. That's correct, um, yeah. Another first? I noticed. First appearance of the rift. I say appearance of the rift. Yeah, yeah. The, like first, the, the first, first time it's mentioned. Moment. Matt Gattis says the script for this episode was originally much darker, but Russell T. Davies wanted to make it more of a romp. Sounds like, like him. Quote sounds like sounds, sounds like something he would do. Yeah, he does love a romp, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. According to Mark Gattis on this story's commentary, there was originally going to be a scene where the Doctor was mistaken for Sneed's new cleaner, where someone says to him, I thought you'd be a woman, and the Doctor says, no, not yet. I like that. I like that. That, that'd be a good line. That would have been a, a good... Is that a, did you say that's a deleted scene or a deleted part of the script? It, it just says there was going to be a scene, so I guess it's okay, a deleted I guess part of the script. Okay, I guess it wasn't shot, yeah. yeah. That's so good. Another thing that was so good, David Tennant was going to play Mr. Sneed. He was a, he was originally in mind for the character because they wanted to make him younger. Okay. Imagine that. I don't want to imagine that, no. Wait, oh no, they hadn't cast him. So was season one shot? I need to find out when David Tennant was cast because I keep forgetting that like whilst watching this, even when it aired, people still knew that Tennant was coming. They, yes. they knew that he before episode one came out, it was public news that Eccleston was only in one season and that Tennant was not sticking around one for the Doctor role. One of Doctor Who's notoriously oh, poor-kept secrets. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I enjoy the poorly-kept secrets. Not that I enjoy a, a leak or anything like that. Um, I just enjoy the speculation and the conversations about it. Yeah. There were some deleted scenes from this episode too. Um, when, when Rose was going to step out of the TARDIS, we were going to have a bunch of snow blow in, which was cut for budget reasons. Yeah, yeah, you don't um, want all that snow in there. There was also supposed to be a carriage crash, which was cut for oh, wow. budget reasons. Jesus. And then maybe my favourite one, which was cut because it broke the pacing, apparently. It interrupted yeah. the story. But when Rose talks about history being altered, the Doctor would take her to 2005 to a, 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 a gelf-infested world. 
Yeah, but they, they sort of trap them, don't they, so that they can't get yeah. out of that. And I mean, I don't like that. Yeah. Sort of like in theory or in practice, I don't think. I think that's like, like just not a fun a fun moment. I, I feel like it's necessary. It, it, in terms of like the time travel and fixed point stuff, is there not a rule where it's like once you view it, it's a fixed point? It happens in Angels Take Manhattan. That's what I'm thinking. That's that's what where they but, say the TARDIS can't go back to a place it's already been or something. No, 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 no. Uh, it, it, uh, there is a part where a character, and I don't want to say who, just in case, where the, the the story of the episode is in a book. Yes. And and the companions get told, do not read further into the book. Once you read it, it has to happen. It has to happen. That's yeah. so. Once I assume that that's the same rule with once you see something as well. Like if you if you go to the future and you see a girl from Pleasure two thousand and five, that it means you have happen. to fail. You now have I to fail. I love the idea that every book I have ever read has just a bunch of words just moving around on the pages, and then when I turn the page, they're like, "Quick, get in line," and then that's just how the plot goes for the rest of it. Quick, she interpreted us differently. They're just all like they all, <laughs> they all just like pack in together, words changing pages to make sure they're in the right place, just shuffling about all nervous like the army men from Toy Story. <laughs> and then the final point uh, is final that bit of trivia. Eve Miles wanted to audition for this show because Christopher Eccleston's one of her favorite actors, apparently, and she didn't think that she got the role because she showed up to the audition wearing a T-shirt of two naked women kissing. Under the slogan, I support nudist colonies. That's probably the only reason. <laughs> Even if our audition was bad. RTD would be like, yes, of Booked course. Yep. In the bag, you nailed it. That's not what Russell T. Davies sounds like at all. <laughs> Russell T. Davies, are you in the room? Mr. Smith at ease. Is that everything you have to say about The Unquiet Dead? I think that's everything I have to say about The Unquiet Dead. I have to cut out. Oh, God. This one's going to be a nightmare. This is going to be difficult uh, and long and stupid. And if anyone's listened to this, hi. Good luck at it in this one. Thank you. I'm going to need it. Uh, We'll see you next week. Aliens of London. Let's go. Bye. Bye.